Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there, welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hope you're fabulous. Today I am feeling called to do some reflections on uh, the insights I got from um, teaching in person. Remember, <laughs> remember that. Um, for some of you, that's uh, an aspirational goal. For me, it was a reality, at least for one hour on Saturday. Uh, I was uh, teaching a class at a small little yoga festival here where I live. Uh, they have this event fabulously uh, every year. And it's funny because the last time I taught in person was that festival 12 months before. So um, it was interesting. It was really interesting to be back in person with people. And um, yeah, uh, I, I thought, well, um, maybe it's time for some commentary on that. So today I'm going to be talking about what I learned from teaching in person for the first time in a long time. Before we do that, I have a really exciting announcement today. Uh, it's some free training that I have been putting together um, over the weekend and uh, finishing touches during this week, all about bringing more goddess, more of the goddesses and the teachings of the goddesses into your yoga business. Because I know you all love teaching a goddess workshop and uh, I thought, well, you know, let's play with this. Um, more. I used to do this a little bit in the past. We used to look at Shiva and Ganesh and uh, Saraswati, but I thought, you know, let's just do five days of goddesses in our business, starting off with a story, um, a parable, and then relating that to what we're working on and bringing, you know, infusing what it is that we're doing with some Shri, with some divine, beautiful energy and, um, and, and, and celebrating all things goddess, all things business growth, and all things yoga nerddom. So if you want to hang out with me for a week, five days of free training, uh, about an hour every day, I think, on the Zooms, uh, there'll be workbooks, there'll be special guests, there'll be just, you know, awesomeness, bad jokes from me, the occasional dating analogy, you know how it goes, like this except together, uh, where I can actually ask you questions and you can actually answer me and people won't just think that you're talking to your car. Brilliant. Um, come hang out. It's free. Uh, the link's in the episode notes and uh, have at it and share the link. If you're in other, uh, you know, yoga teacher groups, you've got friends who might like to hang out with us, get their nerd on, spend some time with Durga, Parvati, Saraswati, all them, you know, the ladies the divine ladies and what we can take from them. Um, share the love, share the, share the link around. You know, I think I say this often that if you're stuck for things to talk about in your yoga business is because you're not filling your own cup. You're not, you know, topping yourself up with goodies. So here's a goodie for you. In fact, five goodies, five days of goodness, all for free, all with me, all awesome. The link is in the episode notes. Come hang out and let's bring some goddess energy back into your yoga biz. All right, so onwards then to today's topic. Um, what I learned after not having taught for 
over, well, about about a year. <laughs> um, right. So, so the first thing, um, the first thing that was really different is um, people's, in, me included, people's uh, comfort with proximity, and um, I knew in advance when I when I said yes, I would teach. I knew in advance that there would be COVID restrictions and responsibilities and I was cool with that and I you know the briefing email that came out from the organizer said that the, there'll be hand sanitizer everywhere you'll have to register when you arrive and um and and you know the, the mats will be de- demarked there'll be there'll be tape on the floor so that everybody knows that they need to space their mats out and so I thought okay with all of that I feel okay about going to the venue and teaching the class. And I planned my class accordingly. I wanted people to stay low to the ground, um, not, not get lots of cardio bath. Um, and, uh, and for the most part, you know, stay on their own mat, not, not touch each other or get too close or anything like that. And so when I arrived uh, to teach, I think my class was, I was in the second sort of block of classes on the first day so that only three classes had happened to that point and I was really surprised to find that the mat spacing was much closer than I had anticipated in fact definitely here in the country Australia people just in normal classes pre-covid would be uncomfortable with their mats that close probably about 10 centimeters maybe 20 centimeters between mats edge to edge and that really surprised me uh, because that's normal spacing, uh, not COVID spacing. And in addition to that, the to, to accommodate enough people, um, you know, that they'd marked mats the full the full space of the room. So there was no boundaries around the edges. There was even right up to the very very front, right up against the window. Um, you know, every spot was taken. It was bumper to bumper. And I had a friend with me to take some photographs. He, bless him, I think he took about 5,000 photos from the exact same spot, just sat in a corner <laughs> because he couldn't move around. I couldn't move around. And it was really tight. It was really tight. And, and it, you know, like I said, in the country here, we've got a pretty big personal space normally um you know you wouldn't notice necessarily for a lot of people that there is a 1.5 meter social distancing thing because we don't get that close to each other in the best of times I remember when I was still getting used to my teacher and he it felt like he was like up in my face but he was just standing a Los Angeles distance away (laughs) dude back off uh, but it was really snug and I could feel that people felt differently about that. I certainly did. Normally I would move around a room. I would give people, um, you know, verbal cues, um, it, personal little quieter ones so that they didn't feel called out, so that the practice was still very tailored to them, but they didn't, you know, th- th- they still felt comfortable. And I just couldn't do that. I I mean, even in a festival class in the past, when the mats had been that close together, I would have sort of ducked in between, ducked and weaved between people. But I just didn't feel okay doing that because, even though it would seem that the organisers had waived that social distancing, I didn't want to presume that the participants had, nor had I. So that really affected, I felt, 
my capacity to teach. I'm not the type of teacher who does the whole class with my students at the top of the mat. I'll demonstrate some things, but my style is to cue, is to cue the class while I move around and give personalized instructions to people. And I just felt that I couldn't, I just felt like I was sort of yelling things out from the front of the room and it felt like I was less connected to the studentship. It was, it was interesting. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely different. Uh, something else that I saw, and I mean, this one just, I don't know, like, I really would love to converse with you on this because I'm not trained in trauma sensitive yoga. Um, I have taught in certain environments that have required me to modify significantly how I teach in particular teaching at a men's prison. That was a great learning for me about how to use your body, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, modesty, you know, where I teach in, in Thailand, uh, I'm very clear with my retreat participants that while we're, te- while we're doing yoga, they can wear whatever they like, but at all other times, you know, modesty is important. Um, you know, I, I'm aware of some things some of the time. I'm certainly not trained in that area. And so I don't know with the next point, I don't know, was it just me being prudish or was there something wrong here? And maybe not even something wrong, but just maybe something that could be done better. One of the classes I went to, I intentionally chose it because there was very few men teaching on the program. Let's get more men in yoga. Yoga, men, awesome. Love it, love it. My teacher is a dude. My Most of my teachers in that I really... Um, look up to and have a, a lasting connection with over time and studied with over time, they're dudes. So I thought, you know what? Yes, this is the only guy I think teaching yesterday. I'm going to go to this class. And also because it was Hatha Yoga and, you know, you know me, hashtag old school. So um, he was wearing a black tank and black uh, shorts that were like mid-thigh, um, like sort of running shorts cool. And, um, the practice was good. It was sort of fairly classical, lots of warming up stuff. I was enjoying it. He had a good sense of anatomy. Great. So we're doing the, doing the class and he's doing the class with us, demoing everything as we go. Um, he came around to, he he came around, he, uh, he had a great process for checking in with who wanted, uh, hands-on assists and who didn't, which I thought was interesting in a time of COVID, but anyway. Uh, But he, you know, he checked in with people who didn't want that. He went around the room within an hour long class and checked in with who had injuries and how to manage those. So he did all of that really well. The class was all women, teaching, male teacher, all women participants. He taught, and oh God, I should have looked this up ahead of time. Uh, It's the um, uh, Upavista Konasana, but the balanced one, like the, what do you call that? Upward facing wide angle seated pose, Urdva Upavista Konasana. Apologies if I've got that wrong, but it's that. Um, So, you know, when you're doing it and you're facing the teacher, you're essentially got your bits, your lady parts or your junk, your lady junk, your man junk, whatever. You've got the undercarriage of your torso pointing towards the teacher, right? So remember, it's a class full of women and there's a dude teaching the class. And so we're all doing that, pointing our pachoch at him. And he's got his short shorts on, which to get his legs into that pose, he had to kind of cinch them up his thighs a bit so that he could bend properly because they weren't yoga pants. They were like running shorts. And so he's doing the pose back at us. And by the time he gets his shorts into that situation, essentially it's like he's wearing underpants. Everything tucked into the underpants, but nonetheless underpants. And this is where I don't know. Like, is it me being a prude or is there something not necessarily wrong here, but something that could have been done better? Like, 
all of us pointing our vajayjays at him and him pointing his junk at us. It just felt weird. You know, when my friend, he came to teach the sorry, he came to take photos from me while I was teaching and he's never done it before and he doesn't practice yoga and he's a good mate and I'm grateful that he came and he was a bit nervous about it. And I said to him, look, take photos of me and then take photos of the group when they're not looking at you. So when no one's faces, you can't tell anybody's face. And when don't, don't take any photos of them, like from behind, like, you know, the shot downward facing dog with everyone's ass. Like, don't take that. Don't take any ass shots or any compromised groin you know, just don't do that. We don't need that. They don't need that. They don't, they don't want their, you know, business on the, <laughs> they don't need the pelvic floor on the Instagrams. So I don't know. I'd want to know from you. This really came up for me as I was in that class. I'm thinking, dude, this, like, all you needed to do here was one, maybe, maybe, um, maybe not those pants, like maybe leggings or, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm being prudish. I don't know. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of, there was a lot of intimacy in that moment with all of us. Um, and then also it would have been so much easier to just instruct everybody to turn to the side. If we needed to see him, we could have looked across. He could have turned to the side. And this is the sort of stuff that I don't want to be ultra conservative. God knows I'm a body positive, sex positive person. But I do think that just a little bit more skill and no one is spending their asana practice thinking about, is there something wrong here? I would like to conduct myself as a yoga teacher where I'm always mindful to check, is this okay? Could someone, just one person in my class be spending just a minute of this practice thinking, I think there's something not quite right about this, right? Like, Let's, how can we all do this? And this is not a men and women, this is an all of us. Is there just that, that, that filter? Again, I'm not a trauma-sensitive, trauma-informed practitioner. I probably should be. But at least I like to think about, could what I'm teaching in any way be making someone uncomfortable? Classic gaff, bad. This is why I did it. It's just so bad. I got it so wrong. I was teaching um, a, a pranayama no, 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 a meditation from the, it's a meditation that's in the Shiva Sutra, right? And I love it. It's where you imagine that you're, you're burning your body to ash. You start with your right big toe, you burn your, visualize burning your whole body to ash as a way of sort of reabsorption, all of that. I learned it from my teacher. He's, I've done it with him over the years. It's one of the meditation visualizations that I find for me really helps me drop in. And I had this in the lesson plan and it was tied into what I'd been teaching the day before and I launched into it and I've launched into it. I'm about two minutes into explaining it when I remember that there is a woman in that class who had just had her house burnt down in a bushfire. And I like talk about, I mean, she had her livestock killed in the fire and here I am instructing her to go burn herself to nothing you know like even just saying it now makes me uh really upset it was a classic serious fuck up is it a good meditation practice it's an excellent meditation practice is it drawn from the tradition yeah absolutely it is have I been instructed by a skilled practitioner and how to teach it yep was it the wrong thing to do in that moment you better fucking believe it was it was the wrong thing to do and who knows the damage that I caused to that person who was in my class. 
So I just, you know, I think, I think we could, like this dude, I don't know, like I was, I've, I've, lucky for me, I have never been, I mean, I'm sure I've got my own me too moments, but I've never had anything significantly traumatic in that space done to me. Ass pinched, flashed, all that, of course, whatever, I'm a woman that goes with the territory until it doesn't, that's another issue. But I'm 43 years old, I've been exposed to stuff, right? But I've never had significant trauma. And yet I was sat there thinking there's something wrong here. Who knows who was in that room? Who has? And and had, who knows? Who knows? So, you know, I've got it wrong. I think this guy might have got it a little bit wrong too. I just, what what arose for me over the weekend was, okay, here, here we, we can always do better. We can always do better. It's not our job to be someone's counselor or spiritual advisor. We can't ever know exactly what to say. We can't ever know that, I don't know, I could teach Ustrasana and how do I know that some kid got bitten by a camel and has some kind of, I don't know, arm deformity that's currently covered with their, we can't guess everything, but sometimes I think we can do better. Uh, The next thing that, God damn it, the next thing that I noticed, and maybe, I mean, I love the Conspirituality podcast, shout out to those three guys, I just, I love it, Um, I love their podcast and how it makes me think about being better. Um, but because I've been listening to it lately, I have been more aware of, um, you know, anti-vax conversations, uh, pseudoscience conversations, and I gotta say, I, I, <laughs> I was witness to some of that in a class that I took over the weekend, where the teacher um, instructed us to do a particular action for its immune building capabilities, and. I mean, look, I'm not a woo-woo person. I'm not, um, that's not my jam. Um, but I respect that for a lot of people, it, it works. You know, energy healing, crystal healing, Reiki, all of those things for a lot of people is powerful and an effective medicine, EFT, all of that stuff. It's, it's not my jam, but I do respect that we all get to, you know, work with the modalities that we find have efficacy and, and appeal. However, I don't, I I never think it's appropriate for a yoga teacher to diagnose anything outside of what their actual scope of training is. (laughs) But certainly I think we all need to be very careful about anything to do with boosting your immunity at a time during a global pandemic. And I'm going to tell you, I, I am, I'm going to be judgmental on this. Like I said, we all get to choose our modalities and we all get to choose the health practitioners and, and, and services that are working for us. But you can't tell me that tapping your fists on your abdomen is going to make you immune to a global pandemic. And I just think that, specifically when we're doing it for like four seconds, that's reckless. I know this is going to be polarizing and send me your messages. Like let's not attack each other. Let's have conversations. I'm up for it. But I do personally, I believe that's reckless that you've got a room full of people who are looking to you as a thought leader, knowing more than they do about things and projecting who knows what onto us, right? Who knows what, but that's happening. It's so important that we don't talk about that stuff like stay away from it. I remember at the start of COVID-19, I saw some of my colleagues who are in the oils game, putting up posts about oil blends that are good for viral 
and that are good antivirals, you know, put this into a spray bottle and mist your whatever. And I just remember thinking, girl, you are setting yourself up for trouble. <laughs> I get that you want to help people, but damn, this is not, this is, this is not uh, safe for anybody, for you as a, as a business owner, but God damn it, for the people who are taking this advice as legit. But I thought we'd kind of weeded that out. Um, and I was really, really surprised to have a yoga teacher tell me that I could do this particular action and it would help my immunity. Maybe, who knows, maybe, I don't know, maybe there are pranayamas that help keep your nasal passage open and help you breathe better and that might help you stave off other communicable diseases. The flu, I don't know, I don't know. I have no idea because that's, I have no training in that. I have no training in yoga for immunity boosting other than what Mr. Iyengar wrote in Light on Yoga. And we all know that that dude made that stuff up. Again, I know, polarizing, but the man had no medical training. So it's anecdotal. It's anecdotal at best what he writes. And that's the full extent. I've got what I read in a book from someone who wrote it down from anecdotes. That's what I got. I am certainly not qualified to be telling people about how to combat COVID-19. Now, I'm not saying the teacher didn't refer to that specifically, but I think with all that we're talking about, um, uh, you know, um, this is the vocabulary that is everywhere at the moment. Immunity, um, immune repression, um, you you know, your immune system, getting, I am now immune, I have the vaccine. All of this stuff, the immunity you can anticipate from the vaccine. These are, these are words that are commonly used in relation to COVID-19. And so we need to be so, um, we need to be so careful about how we use that language. Like words matter. Words really matter. And we can't just throw stuff out that we might have even said in the past. Again, this relates back to the earlier point that now is a time for us to be better at what we do um, and to not necessarily to be just better yoga teachers, but just so much more mindful about how we talk about things and how we may be being perceived by our studentship. Again, we can't control everything, of course. That's not our job to control everyone's experience of us. In fact, I would say that that's what we're working to, to let go of, to surrender. But we can very much be more mindful of our language and just stay away from giving any type of uninformed medical advice unless you are qualified. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. If you are not qualified in a legit modality, I don't mean just I got this bloody certification off the back of a cereal box. I mean like legit. Then we're not, we're not, this is not what, what we're meant to be doing, you know? This is not what we're meant to be doing. Some stuff that is just, I don't know. It really surprised me. So, so I guess the insight I got, the third insight over the weekend was, Amy, stay away from stuff that you don't actually know. And I know I do this. I try and, I try and cut this out. I've tried, I try and prune it back. But I'm sure I still, I've been doing yoga for 35 years I'm sure I still say something because I've just always said it in the middle of a class. I'm sure I would make some kind of, use some kind of phrase that I have simply said for years, 
because it's what I've said for years. It's what my teacher used to say when I was 19, right? I don't interrogate it because it just kind of comes out of my mouth as a habit. So, for, you know, for all of us, are we doing any of that stuff? Uh, is there anything that you could be saying because you've just always said it that could be misinterpreted at a time when the stakes are higher? At a time when the stakes are higher? Because they are. Because this type of health is front and foremost. People are thinking about it all the time. So we need to be even more cautious, I would argue, about any sort of pseudoscience things that we might have said in the past just habitually that we need to cut out now. We need to cut out now. Um, the next one is about, um, about our power and how it's real, that our power differential is real and it needs to be managed correctly and it needs to be treated with respect and um and we need to, and we should never forget it or pretend that it's not there because it is there and it does matter. I said earlier that I had my friend come to be my photographer, my poor hemmed in photographer. <laughs> um, and he's never seen me teach yoga before. He's only ever taken one yoga class in his life. <laughs> um, and he's, he's, you know, we, we're great friends, but he's never seen me, air quotes, at work just as I've never seen him, you know, doing his thing at work. And, and he was very generous afterwards. And he said to me that he was so impressed and, and he, we were reflecting on how it's so inspiring to see anybody who is proficient at what they do, do it, you know, no matter what it is to watch someone who is proficient at their craft, do it is always inspiring. But he said to me afterwards, Oh my God, you're famous. You've got groupies. Because at the end of class, you know, people came up and I always invite people at the end of class if they want to take photos of my class plans or if they want to get a copy of my playlist or ask me questions or anything like that you know I always make that available so that people can come up and do that and at the end of the class um people did that and at the start of the class you know a couple of people I ch was chatting to them and saying hey and they knew my name some of them are uh doing programs with me now some of them have been coming to my classes over the years at the festival they know me that way some are other teachers that teach um you know, in the region who I've been to their classes, we know each other just as colleagues. So, you know, there were people that I was saying hello to that, that, that knew me. And then afterwards, there were people who came up and asked me questions, you know, bless the woman who comes up and says that, <laughs> asks me, he's a great example. This is a, actually, can I, sorry, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to go back to the previous point and I promise we'll come right back to this point. Here's an example about giving uninformed medical advice. A, a lady came up to me after the class and she said, thanks for the class, da, 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 all those things. And she said, she's just started doing yoga because she's aging and she's finding that she's becoming more accident prone. And she started doing yoga for the flexibility, but she's wondering what could she do so that she's less, has fewer accidents. That's what she asked me. What I've started doing yoga for, she'd never done a yoga class like mine, like an alignment based, she's probably doing flowy stuff or yin. She'd never done a, an alignment-based class before, and so that I was a new experience for her, and so she wanted to know from my perspective and the type of yoga that I teach, what should she do to have fewer accidents and to be less, to use her words, clumsy as she aged? Right. That's her question to me. Now, I know I'm trained, I'm insured to teach yoga 
bit of pranayama, meditation, some philosophy, mythology, and asana. I happen to be also trained as a life coach, so I have that qualification and insurance. But I am not trained in physiotherapy, occupational therapy, whatever condition she has that's making her be more clumsy. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I None of that. None of it. Um, an osteopath, a chiropractor, I have none of that stuff. So when she asked me that question, I was not qualified to answer it. And that's what I said to her. And what I said is, well, I can't give you any specific advice because I'm a yoga teacher and I don't know how to, how to diagnose those sorts of things. I'm not trained to do that. And then I said, but perhaps maybe you could talk to your doctor about it and perhaps maybe just some more yoga that focuses on strength building might be helpful. That's it. And that was probably a bit of an overstep. But there's an example of how, you know, I could have easily said to her, oh, well, you should work on this and work on that. And what type of accident? What's caused by it? Maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And have you tried these supplements? And, you know, you could also do shiatsu and I think thieves, essential. Stick your lump of amethyst down your bra. I don't know, whatever. No, not my job, not my qualification. So perfect example of how in our desire to help people, we can sometimes color outside the lines. And I say now, right now, more than ever before, we need to be very careful to not do that. Okay, now let's go back to this point about power. I really believe that anybody who who has this rhetoric of, oh, but I'm just the same as my student, is avoiding professionally dealing with an inherent power differential. And I'm not saying that I think we need to, I mean, it exists. Let's not be in denial about it. We are, there is a power differential between us and our students. And for, and it, and it varies in magnitude depending on the teacher-student relationship. But for every, every student, when you step into the role of their teacher, things shift. So I'm, this is not Amy saying never go to tea with your students. I mean, look, it's up to you. It's up to you about where you draw the line. I mean, I'm pretty, for me, it's an adamant no dating, no sleeping with, you know. Um, There have been times when I have done social things with my students and there certainly have been times where um, my friends have become my students and so how do you manage that? Uh, But to ignore it altogether or to pretend that it's not there is a disservice to the role of teacher and also to the student. So I think, you know, this, and it was so beautifully, the the reason I have this point in the podcast today is because my friend who's never seen me teach, doesn't know what it's like, was kind of gobsmacked. He kept saying to me, oh my God, you've got groupies, you're famous. I'm like, chill out, friend. (laughs) It's not quite quite what it's like. It's just people, you know, we interact, we we talk to each other, we know each other. That's just, it's just, it's just catching up. But he is right in the sense that it's not just catching up. There is a power difference. And particularly when, you know, when money is involved, we need to be respectful of this. It's part of good leadership. It's part of honoring the relationship. It's part of, arguably, you could say, if you're an eight limbs person, it's part of modern day interpretation of um, 
Oh my God, I've totally blanked. Can you tell? Can you tell I'm not so into the eight limbs? Arguably, part of the modern day interpretation of brahmacharya, like it's, you know, managing your energy really well, right? Uh, and 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 not just ignoring that and pretending, oh, we're all in this. Oh, I'm just the same as you. You're not. You're not. I'm not. I'm not saying that we're better or different as humans. Of course, no, all the same. But do we have more power in that relationship? Absolutely we do. And does that power come with a responsibility? Yes. Yes, it does. It should be honoured, it should be respected, and it should be managed carefully, not ignored, not, not um, you know, it doesn't make us better people because we ignore the fact that we have greater power in the relationship as the teacher. That's a that's a misuse of it, in fact, I would argue. So, you know, that, that one really, I've always, for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clear on that. Um, sometimes I, again, I get it wrong. Um, and, you know, and there are times when it's, when it's a great example. I'm on my yoga teacher retreat. Um, I'm their teacher. I'm their coach. And then we have dinner, we have all of our meals together and it slips. You know, we start talking about other things, movies that we're watching, my pets, their pets, you know, other things. And it's slippery in, in, in those sorts of situations. But it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be forgotten and it shouldn't be swept aside. And we need to be mindful that, that our contribution and our engagement with people outside of the studio or the classroom space still has a flavour of power differential that we shouldn't ignore. And then the last thing that I got from um, this weekend is, you know, you just never know where you're, what's going to happen when you, when you embark on these things. And, and I'm a huge fan of the, the serendipity that can arise from simply saying, yes, I know that the, you know, I know what the, the Bendigo yoga festival is going to be like, you know, I've been going, I've been lucky enough to be invited to teach there for a bunch of years in a row now. I know the types of people who are going to come along. I'm not teaching currently, so it's not like I'm on the hustle to get new students. I know that, well, let's just say it's not fucking lightning in a bottle, right? Like it's not, <laughs> it's not Wonderlust happening at the Benigo Yoga Festival. It's about community it's about doing supporting other teachers you know there was one teacher that taught that had never taught a class before ever <laughs> you know it's different it's regional jive country victoria um I, I, but i every time i go something lovely happens and that's what happened this time i i made a new connection i don't know what's going to come of it yet i'll share with you if that becomes appropriate but i'm hopefully going to be part of a great meeting tomorrow, even if that just means getting to know some more of my colleagues to talk about as a region, the changes post lockdown of yoga studios here and what opportunities might be arising for us. Really exciting. Never would have happened. Never would have happened if it wasn't for me just saying, you know what, I'm going to go teach at that festival and, and, and see what comes up. So my final point is, um, you know, you you never know. Uh, you never know where the boons are going to come from saying yes to an opportunity. You never know who you might meet or what might happen. But simply being open to things, you know, I think that is one of the greatest 
the greatest blessing, simply being open to, to um, or almost deciding that when you embark on an activity like this, you're going to call in some kind of boon. That I know for me, driving there on Saturday, I'm thinking to myself, I am going to have something great happen today that I could never have imagined for myself. I love doing this. It's like a fun trick. And sure enough, it happened. It happens every time. It's, you know, it's all about how you frame things. But so, so if you're thinking about, <clears throat> should I do this? Up? I don't know. Maybe there's nothing in this for me. Oh, I don't know. I did that last time. Didn't really pay off. Say yes to stuff. Just say yes to stuff. Um, because you never know who you might meet. Talk to people, interact, be friendly, and you never know what, what might arise. Um, yeah, that, that would be, um, my final point. Actually, no, I've got one more point, if I may indulge myself. Uh, one more point. Um, that's a tricky one. And it is, it is, I think, the most true for festival classes. It is this idea of um, teaching classes that are suitable for everybody. Um, because I think it's it's like anything else that we do in business. When we try and appeal to everybody, we sort of appeal to nobody. When we're so generic, it sort of has no real luster. It misses out on, on great appeal for particular types of people. And, and there is a pressure, I guess, at a festival class that you know you're going to have a huge room full of all sorts of people. In fact, I had 20-year yoga, yoga practitioners and teachers through to a woman who had never done yoga before in her life and everything in between. There's a woman who comes every year to that class. She, oh, she's fucking phenomenal. She, the first year I met her, we had a bit of a tussle because I thought she was being snarky with me. <laughs> she made me move somebody else because she wanted a certain mat spot. And I'm thinking, geez, love, you're so attached. Turns out she had an acquired brain injury and couldn't stand up without touching the wall. Fair enough. Uh, five years on, she says to me, um, she, you know, walks in, I know her, I think she's fabulous. And she's just so impressed. She's even says to me, you know what? I could do tree pose in the middle of the room now and I wouldn't fall over. Uh, that's a Shiro. What a fucking fantastic thing. Anyway. Um, so I know that there's going to be all sorts of people coming, right? And in the past, um, you know, I, I, I've kind of felt that moment of when I teach my style, I know that people aren't going to be able to keep up with it. I know that people are going to look at other people and go, oh, my God, how does she even do that? Um, and, I, and, and I always kind of feel this ambivalence about is that a good thing or not? Should my classes be all inclusive or not? And I think I've got to a point now in my teaching that that trying to that I, I'm re I'm, I'm changing my mind on this a little bit and again this might be polarizing for you listening in let's turn this into a conversation rather than a conflict I'd love to hear from you but I think for me now at this point if I try and teach a class that is going to be perfect for everybody I'm doing a disservice to the practice I'm doing a disservice to my skill set and I'm also for me, for me, for Amy, I'm falling into an old pattern of codependency. I need to make sure that everyone in this class likes the class, therefore likes me. That's where my make sure your class is suitable for everybody story was actually coming from. I don't want people to not like me. I don't want people to think that was too hard. That was too fast. That was too boring. That was too technical. That was too, there was too much I don't know, uh, anatomy in that. I didn't even know what she was talking about. 
used to be terrified of that and would 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 change my classes, would alter my classes to hope that that didn't happen. And this year, for the first time, I decided at the outset, I'm going to plan this particular class. I'm going to teach it. I know that some people will hate it. Some people won't like it. Some people won't be able to do some parts of it. Some people won't understand some of the things that I'm going to say about it. And I'm going to teach it anyway. And I'm going to be okay with the fact that not everybody's going to like it. Because guess what? I'm actually not the right teacher for everybody. To say that I was would be wildly egomaniacal of me. I'm not. If you want soft, surrendered yoga, I am your worst nightmare. If you want flow with an incredible soundtrack and like vinyasas to, to death and I'm, you would hate me. I'm not your teacher. And so I think, you know, to close what I got, what I, what I chose to get for myself this time was to surrender this false belief that I could actually be everything to everybody. My classes aren't right for everyone, nor should they be. Because when I'm trying to serve everybody, I'm serving nobody except my own injured belief that it's unsafe to be unliked, right? <laughs> so I guess I want to finish on that. Um, I think maybe th- maybe there's a conversation for us to be had about what it actually means to teach yoga for everybody, um, and and that and while that might be your intention, it might not all happen all at the same time. And and there is a difference between teaching a class in a certain way and being welcoming of everybody. I'm not saying don't modify. I'm not saying don't accommodate. Of course, we continue to do all of those things. But if you have, I'm wondering if you have any of that residual um, codependency that bubbles up for me, or I need to make sure that everybody has a really good time in my class because I want everybody to like me. Wow. What an opportunity. What would happen if you taught something that you just really worked on, you really refined, it really came together for you and you taught it knowing that some people wouldn't like it. Could you challenge yourself to do that, to speak your truth, share something that was powerful and meaningful to you, knowing that it wouldn't be the right thing for everybody in the room? Interesting conversation. Teaching classes for everyone can sometimes mean that we're teaching for no one. So a quick recap. This is what I got from the weekend. People feel different these days about being in groups. We need to be better at trauma-sensitive yoga, all of us, all of us. Um, not that we can get it perfect all the time, but we need to be, not, and not just trauma, but like being more sensitive about how we teach and what might be triggered for our students. Um, please, no more un, uninformed or untrained or inappropriate medical advice, not even tangential stuff, not now, not ever, but especially not now. Our power is real and we need to manage it carefully. Yes, we can be friendly. Yes, we can. Yes, relationships with other humans are complicated, but pretending that there's not a power differential is dangerous and disrespectful. Teaching classes to everybody can sometimes mean teaching to nobody. Check if people pleasing is causing you to teach classes that are bland, that aren't actually demonstrating what you're really good at. Are you watering down your actual area of genius because you're worried that people won't like you? And then remember, you never know where the actual gift is going to come from in an opportunity. So say yes to more things and trust that great things can happen if you're just meeting, chatting, being warm and friendly 
uh, and, and putting yourself out there. And to that end, I want to say a special congratulations to one of my clients who just messaged me over the weekend to let me know that she has, based on the training from last week's episode, secured herself a very exciting joint venture cross promotion with someone who, pardon me, has been featured on the BBC. How cool is that? Congratulations, lovely. You know who you are. All right, everybody, I'm going to finish this up there. Don't forget, get yourself signed up for that free week of training. Starts on Monday. Uh, all about bringing more of the goddess stories and teachings into our yoga business as a, as a bit of a like a you know a pep talk, a topping up the tank, a inspiring your creativity. I know, um, you know we're at an interesting time around the world. Uh, things are you know, we're, we're perhaps in, in prep, either in re-emerging or, or preparing to re-emerge. So what a good time to dip into some goddess teachings and application. Like I said, workbook, special guests, homework, good times, all on the Zooms. You need to register to get all of the info. The uh, link is in the episode notes. And finally, also a reminder that registrations are open for Growing Your Yoga Biz, my four-month group training program. The link for that is also in the episode notes. Reach out if you've got questions about that. Uh, And there's just over, just under rather, uh, two weeks to go to get yourself the additional one-to-one coaching bonus and additional training programs bonus that come along with your registration if you do sign up prior to the 21st of March. Uh, cool. Next week I have a special guest for you. So that will be fun. But, uh, before you get the podcast next week, I'll see you for goddess in your yoga business day one. Awesome. Thanks folks. Bye. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask, if you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.